Well, let's do this. Let's take our Bibles and turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And as you're flipping there this morning, um, I, I thought we could all start off uh, by, by saying something together, getting all you guys involved in this message. So um, here's what I want to do. I want to get you to repeat a phrase after me. All right. And here's the phrase. It's really easy. The phrase is, and, and this is for those of us in the room um, that, that would this morning say, I know Jesus Christ. He is my Lord and Savior. Um, I, I've committed my life to him. If you're here and you're visiting and you're checking this Jesus thing out, you know, sit back, relax. You don't have to participate. But um, for those that would say, man, I know Jesus. Here's what I want you to repeat after me. I want you to say, I am as righteous as I will ever be. Okay, so are you ready? We're going to say this together on three. Um, we're going to say it. Here we go. One, two, three. I am as righteous as I will ever be. All right, let's say that one more time like, like we mean it. Okay, here we go. I am as righteous as I will ever be. Now, um, I know we've already said it twice, but let me make sure you know what you're saying. Okay, um, that word righteous, just in case you, you came in this morning and that's a weird word to you. The word righteous, here's what it means. It means um, sinless. It means innocent. It means blameless. It means holy. It means perfect. It means morally upright. That's what it means. Okay. So now that you know what it means, let's say it one more time together. Okay. You ready? Here we go. I am as righteous as I will ever be. Here's my question for you, church. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? See, I love it. I already heard it, man. Somebody over here said yes. And somebody over here goes no. Right. And I would guess, I would guess if I could pass the microphone around the room this morning, um, that we would get a lot of those. Like I, I, I assume that there's others in the room that would go, yes, I am. Others in the room that would go, not even close. Even others in the room that would go, I couldn't even say that statement with you because I feel like I'm so far off the mark, right? Now, if that's you this morning, here's what I would share with you. I can totally identify with that. Totally identify with that. Uh, I, I've grown up in church. I think I've told you guys before, but my mom went into labor with me sitting in a church service. Okay, so I have been in church a long time, all right? And I grew up in church hearing that there was a man named Jesus who was also God who came into this world um, to die for my sins because me as a person, I'm, I'm not perfect. I've messed up. I've done things to offend God. So Jesus came, he died for my sins so that I could have forgiveness and and enter into a relationship with God. And one day after this life is over, go to heaven, spend eternity with God. Like I grew up hearing that. And at age 14, I remember one night in my room by my bed with my dad praying and asking God to forgive me, praying and saying, okay, God, I believe that I believe in Jesus and I want you to save me and I want you to forgive me of my sins. And I want to go to heaven one day after I die. Right now, here's kind of how it went for me after that point. Here's what I found myself doing. I found myself after making that decision, trying to figure out what I could do next to make God really like me, right? Like I believed that God loved me enough to send Jesus into the world to die for my sins. But after I had entered into a relationship with him, I started kind of believing he was mad at me again. Okay. So I did what a lot of us do after we come to know Jesus. I made my list of, of rules. Like here are the things that good Christians do. 
And here are the things that good Christians don't do. And I believe that unless I, through pulling all of these things off, could come before God, providing my own sense of righteousness, my own sense of innocence, that God would never truly be pleased with me, never truly love me. And so here's how it looked for me. And, uh, and I grew up right here in the South. And uh, it looks like this for some of you guys too. Here, here's how it went. Um, no rated R movies, right? No cussing, no smoking, no drinking beer, no hanging out with certain kind of people, no going to certain kind of places. And man, I was in church every time the doors were open, right? And here's what I found myself doing. Very regularly, I would come before God and I would go, God, here's all I pulled off. Like, man, I, I didn't hang out with those people this weekend. I haven't drank any beer this week. I didn't cuss except for that one time. And, you know, and, and God, look, I was at church Wednesday and Sunday morning and Sunday night and Tuesday night visitation, discipleship at five o'clock on, on, on Sunday afternoon. God, aren't you happy with me? Aren't you pleased? And this for a good part of my Christian life was the way that I approached God. And, and can I tell you what happened in my life personally? I got really tired, got really tired. Um, I found myself being very religious. I found myself becoming very arrogant, looking at the guy down the street going, I'm doing better than him, right? God should totally love me more than that guy because man, I've, I've pulled off a lot more of the list than he has. And here's what eventually happened. I got so tired and so frustrated with coming before God with my list, hoping to feel more loved by God because I had done all these great things. I got so frustrated by that, that eventually I almost gave up and almost threw on the, threw in the towel on my relationship with him. I mean, it was tiring and I just couldn't keep up this standard of feeling like I needed to be good enough for God. Some of you guys in the morning or in the room this morning, you, you get what I'm saying. And you get what I'm saying, either because you've been here before or because you came in this morning and you're here right now. Some of you get what I'm saying because this is the way you've lived your Christian life and you've already given up on God because it's so frustrating and so tiring. And I remember being a kid in church and I'd hear that statement like Jesus from, from the gospels would say, come and follow me. My yoke is easy. My burden is light, right? I was always the kid sitting in the service going, that's a lie, right? That is a lie. Jesus, you had no idea what you were saying because this is hard and this is heavy and this is burdensome. Here's my prayer for you this morning. If you're in this place, I pray God sets you free. I pray God will open your heart and open your mind this morning and set you free from religion. I pray this morning that you leave feeling more loved by God than you ever have in your entire life. My prayer for you this morning is that you would leave knowing that if you know Jesus Christ as your savior, that you have nothing to earn, nothing to prove, and that you are in fact in the sight of God as righteous as you will ever need to be. That's my prayer for you. Second Corinthians chapter five. I want to show you where we find this amazing truth in the scriptures. And I said this to the first service. I'm going to say it again. Um, if you're like me, you grew up in church hearing this passage. Okay. Um, don't just hear it. Listen to it. Listen to it this morning. Okay. Let it grip your heart this morning. Listen to what the apostle Paul says in second Corinthians chapter five, starting in verse 17. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. 
The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is in Christ. God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, We are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. And we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God and listen to this. Please don't miss it. Verse 21, for our sake, he, Jesus, became sin. He knew no sin, but he became sin. He was made to be sin so that in him, we might become the righteousness of God. This is good news this morning. And again, my prayer is that you walk out of here forever changed by this good news. I want to point out a few things from this passage. The first, I just read it in verse 21. The first thing is this. You need to know this morning, if you're taking notes, write this down, that Jesus is your righteousness. You are not your righteousness. You don't provide your own righteousness. I'm not my righteousness. I can't provide my own righteousness. Jesus is our righteousness. The first place we find this amazing truth about Jesus is in the Old Testament. If you go all the way back to the Old Testament book of Jeremiah in chapter 23, we find the prophet Jeremiah telling the Jewish people that they are about to be exiled from the promised land that God had given them. If you go back and read the Old Testament, here's what you find God telling his people constantly. He says, listen, if you follow me, if you obey my commands, I will bless you like crazy. But then on the other side of that, God constantly says as well, if you disobey me and you fail to follow me as your God, things are going to go really badly for you, right? Um, I, I want to do a message series sometimes through the Old Testament. Um, I know that would take forever, but I just really like this idea because I hear people all the time saying, Old Testament God, he was cruel, he was mean. Um, I want to do a series called God's Not Mean, People Are Dumb, right? Because here's the deal. Go read the Old Testament. God's going, just follow me. I'll bless you. It'll be amazing. But if you don't, it's going to go bad. And then what happens time and time again, it goes really bad. And the people come back and God, forgive us, forgive us, take us back. And what does God do? He goes, I'm going to take you back every single time. Well, it's no different in Jeremiah chapter 23, because in the same breath that God is telling the people through Jeremiah, that things are about to go really badly for them. He promises hope and promises redemption. Listen to Jeremiah 23, 5 through 8, where God promises to restore these disobedient, sinful people back to himself one day. He says, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch and he shall reign as king and deal wisely. And he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And listen, it says, and this is the name by which he will be called Jehovah Sitkenu or the Lord is our righteousness. God is making a promise through this prophet to one day send a king into the world to provide righteousness for sinful people. God is saying to the people through Jeremiah, there's coming a day where you will no longer have to try and prove yourself to me by following rules and commands because one day I'm going to send Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord, your righteousness into the world. And he is going to fix things between me and you as sinful people. 
Now, if you go back to 2 Corinthians 5, you know what Paul's saying? Paul's saying, that guy, Jehovah, Sakinu, the Lord, our righteousness, he was just here. He was just here. And his name was Jesus. He was the one the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah spoke of. He came to make people into the righteousness of God. That was him. That was him. Guys, this morning, here's what I need you to understand. You can not and you never will be able to make yourself acceptable to God. You you just can't. Um, The Bible in a couple of places speaks about this very openly and honestly. Isaiah chapter 64, 6, the prophet there says, you and I coming before God with, with our good works, our own righteousness. He says it's like us coming before God, offering him filthy rags or polluted garments. Now, I'm not a guy that preaches for any kind of shock value, but I want to tell you what the Bible means when it says that. This is a reference to used menstrual cloths. So Isaiah is going, you coming in the presence of God, trying to convince God that you're good enough to be loved by him is like you coming before him with a handful of used menstrual cloths going, God, here's my gift. This is why you should love me. Paul in Philippians 3 says the the same thing about your righteous deeds. He says it's like you coming in the presence of God with a handful of dung, presenting that to God. God, here I am. Can Can you imagine that? Here are my gifts for you, God. Here's what I'm bringing to you. Here's why you should love me. Guys, here's the good news. That's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus came. You see, he knew that. He knew that we could never walk into the presence of God through our own power, our own works, and present ourselves acceptable before God. So Jesus came into the world to do something for us we could never do for ourselves, to make us righteous so that we could be accepted and loved by God. This is the good news of the gospel. This is everything. And where did this happen? It happened at the cross. It happened at the cross. I think a lot of times when we talk about the cross of Jesus Christ, we we stop short, right? Like I think a lot of times we talk about the crucifixion, we picture um, the suffering physically. We picture the beatings and we picture the nails and we picture the shame and we picture the, the suffering and the blood. We picture all these things. And I think a lot of times we fix our eyes on that and we go, oh my gosh, I can't believe Jesus would go through that for me. Um, But church, here's what I need you to know this morning. That was not the worst part of the cross for Jesus. It, It was bad and it was hellish, but it was not the worst part of the cross. The worst part of the cross for Jesus Christ was what he experienced spiritually. Again, listen to me. He became your sin. He became your sin. Church, here's what I need you to hear this morning. At the cross, Jesus Christ became your adultery. At the cross, Jesus Christ became your pornography addiction. At the cross, Jesus Christ became your addiction to to substances. He became your anger. He became your lust. He became the way that you treat your wife or your husband or your kids. He became your pride. He became the way that you treat people who are different than you. At the cross, Jesus became your sin. So when God the Father looked at his son hanging on that cross, he did not see Jesus the innocent, Jesus the righteous, Jesus the blameless, Jesus the holy. God the Father saw Jesus the adulterer. He saw Jesus the porn addict. He saw Jesus the hater, the the racist. He saw Jesus the husband who can't treat his 
family well. He saw Jesus, the one who has a problem with anger and a problem with lust. And the Bible says that it was in that moment that God was so disgusted by what he saw in his own son that he turned his back not to look on his son anymore. And for the first time in all of eternity, the relationship between God the Father and God the Son was broken. And you know why? Because of your sin and mine. Because at the cross, he became our sin. And as God had his back turned on his only son, all of the anger and all the punishment and all the judgment that my sin and your sin deserved, God the Father took it and he poured it out on his son Jesus so that you and I would never have to experience it, never have to know what that's like. Jesus went through hell so that you and I would never have to. God the Father abandoned his son at the cross so that he would never have to abandon us. Jesus Christ became our sin so that you and I could become the righteousness of God. One. One of my heroes in the faith, Martin Luther, calls this the great exchange. And he speaks about how at the cross, Jesus literally exchanged our righteous or his righteousness for our sin. So that when God looks at us, he no longer sees sinful people deserving of his wrath, deserving of his anger, deserving of his judgment. But if we know Jesus, he now looks at us as his very own children with the same righteousness that he sees in his son, Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.22 says this beautifully. Listen to this. He says, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. So going back to our statement earlier, I'm as righteous as I'll ever need to be when I ask if you believe that. Again, I want to hammer on this. Do you believe this morning that when God looks at you, all he sees is your mess ups, your mistakes, your past failures? If if that's what you believe, the word of God tells us something very different. He says he doesn't see that anymore if we know Jesus Christ. In fact, because of Jesus, God sees us now as holy, as blameless, as sinless, as free from accusation. And I think this is one of the hardest parts of the gospel to wrap our brains around. Because we can get forgiveness, right? Right? Like we can forget, I screwed up, I've done things that are bad, I've done things that are wrong, and God sees those things and he pushes them aside and he says, okay, I forgive you, I'm gonna let those things go. Like we can get that. But for God to look at you and me, like for him to look at James, a sinful person who has done so many things that offend him, to look at me and to say, James, you're not only forgiven, but you are righteous. You are innocent. You are sinless. You are guiltless. You are blameless. You are holy. To get our brains around that is impossible, but it is the most freeing news that as believers, we can ever try to get our brains around. That changes everything. And no one, no one, not even Satan himself, can come into the presence of God and accuse you of anything as a righteous, holy child of God. And you know who did that for you? You you didn't do that for you. Jesus did that for you. He is our righteousness. 
the, the second thing I want to point out from this passage is this, is that if you know Jesus, you are a new creation. God has made you new. Um, every time I read this passage, I think of the show Extreme Home Makeover. You guys seen that show? Yeah? Where they come in and they bulldoze houses and they tear the old stuff down and they rebuild something and it's unbelievable and, and insane and all of us wish we could live there, right? That's, that's the show. Um, what they don't do on Extreme Home Makeover is show up at these people's houses and go, okay, I think we can work with this, right? Um, caulk and paint, make it what it ain't. We'll hang some new pictures up. We'll uh, redo the landscaping. We can work with this. We're going to make this old thing better than it was and bring the family home. And yeah, awesome. All right. That's not what happens. They tear the old down and they rebuild something new. This is the picture Paul's painting in this passage. He's saying, if you are in Christ Jesus, God has torn the old you down. And he has made something new and he has made something beautiful and you are forever different. Now this means a few things for us. First off, it means again that you have nothing to prove to him. Listen, if you're here this morning to check something off the list, like if you come to church, if you serve in ministry, if you give your money, if you follow your list of good Christian do's and don'ts because you believe somehow that God is going to be more pleased with you, you need to understand this morning that you are trying to do for yourself what Jesus has already done for you at the cross. And by you believing that you can pull that off, you are living in arrogance, you're belittling the cross, and you're killing yourself spiritually. And it's only a matter of time before you throw in the towel and you give up. Guys, you have nothing to prove. You're new. You're a new creation. For others of us in here, it means we've got to let our past stop defining us. Listen, I I know some of you guys in here, you've messed up. I have too. There are things that I would not want anybody to say from this stage about me, things that I'm ashamed of. You know what? It doesn't matter anymore if you're in Christ. Because if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. God has put the old stuff in the past and he has left it there. And by you bringing it into your present and into your future, you are not honoring Christ. I heard a quote this past week. My my friend Rodney Hunt sent this over to me and it's by Louis Giglio. And he said, us beating ourselves up for our past failures does not honor Christ at all who has already been beaten up for them. You got to leave the past in the past. You're a new creation. This, This mentality of God can't love me. God can't be pleased with me. God can't use me because of all this stuff I've done. That's not from God. That is from the enemy. And this morning, you've got to know you are new in the sight of God, clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. The old stuff is old. It's time to live in the new. Um, I'll say this and then I'll go to the third thing. For others of us, it means that we have to stop making excuses for why our lives are characterized by unrighteousness. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you know him, you are new You're new. God gives you a new heart. He gives you a new mind. He changes your passions. He changes your desires. And sometimes it takes time for this stuff to happen. But the fact of the matter is, and the truth is that you are a new person. It always bothers me when I hear somebody who says that they know Jesus. Um, It always bothers me when they say, well, Jesus died for my sins. Now I can kind of do whatever I want. It doesn't matter. Um, If that's you this morning, please be careful and please read this book because you may not know him. That would be my challenge and encouragement to you. 
For those of us that know Jesus Christ, clothed in the righteousness of the Son of God, made new creations, things are different. And you know what? We're all going to mess up and we're all going to fail. But somewhere inside of us, God has given us a desire to pursue a righteous life, not so that we can make him love us, but because he already has. Not so that we can make him be pleased with us, but because he already is because of his son, Jesus. And so some of us, man, this morning, through the power of the Holy Spirit living inside of us, if we know Jesus, we need to kill our sin, put it to death. Jesus died for your sin so that we could put our sin to death. And some of us have to do that this morning. The last thing I want to point out from this scripture is this, is that we are ambassadors. We are ambassadors. In this same passage that that Paul talks about, the righteousness of God, he tells us what our life's purpose is simply all about. And Paul reminds us, he says, God saved us. He reconciled us to himself. He had Jesus pay for our sins, made us new creations, clothed us in righteousness so that you and I could go into the world and share with a lost world that God wants to do in their lives what he's already done in ours. I love 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20. It calls us that word ambassadors. And, And here's a simple definition of what an ambassador is. An ambassador is a diplomatic official of the highest rank sent by a government to represent it on a temporary mission as for negotiating a treaty. So apply that to us. We're ambassadors for Christ. Here's what that means. It means that you and I have been put here on this earth by God for a temporary mission to negotiate peace between him and a world that needs him. Paul says that God put us here so that he could make his appeal to the world through us to convince lost people that he is a God that does not want to hold their sins against him. Friends, this morning, this is why your heart is beating. This is why you have breath in your lungs is so that you can run out of this place and you can tell the world about Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord, our righteousness, who came to do away with our sins and to give us everything we need to be loved and accepted by God. This is your purpose in life to share this good news. So he said, if you're a great doctor, be a great doctor and share Jesus. If you're a great lawyer, go be a great lawyer and share Jesus with people. If you're a teacher, be a fantastic teacher, but don't ever forget that you are an ambassador for Christ before you are a teacher. And if, if you work at a bank, go be a bank teller and be an ambassador for Christ. Negotiate peace between God and people while you're there. That's why you are here. Now, let's be honest. Um, we have an enemy and he wants us to do The very opposite of that. And he's going to do everything in his power to convince you that God does not love you, that God is not pleased with you, and that your life should be about another purpose, making myself good enough for God. That's what the enemy wants you to believe. God can't use you. God can't love you. God can't be pleased with you unless you do all these things. This is how the enemy gets people out of the game. It's why some of you right now are so caught up in religion and religious activity but have no affection for Jesus. It's because the enemies convinced you that your life is about making God like you, making God love you, and you've stopped believing that he already does. Guys, can you imagine what would happen if every single person in this room left this morning believing that because of Jesus, they were loved by God and as righteous as they will ever be? Can you imagine what would happen? 
I'll tell you what I think would happen. I think that we'd have people running out of this place and, and, and they would stop trying to be so religious and they would truly start loving Jesus. I think if we really believed that, we would quit seeing this Christian life as burdensome and we would start seeing Jesus Christ as our treasure. I think if we really got this, instead of trying to spend our time to earn what's already ours because of the cross, the cross would become our motivation to offer our lives to God as a living sacrifice every moment of every day. I think we'd see a bunch of people running out of Westridge Church, not looking at their watches because they were ready for service to be over, but looking at their watches because they couldn't wait to run back into the world to share the good news of Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord, our righteousness. God does not want to hold your sins against you. That's what would happen. We'd run into our jobs, into our neighborhoods, into our families, and we would not be able to shut up about how amazing the love and grace of God is for people who are sinful and disobedient and in need of him. That's what would happen. Guys, this morning, I pray again that you leave forever changed by this good news. That truth, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. just, I want us to pray together before we leave. And if you're here this morning and you've never entered into a relationship with God through Jesus, if you have been spending your time trying to prove yourself to God, earn the love of God, I just want to invite you this morning just to stop and to find your hope and to find your rest in Jesus Christ and in him alone. There's no magical prayer that saves anybody, but this morning you can just declare to God the the amazing truth that he's revealed to you about you and salvation. You can say something to God like this if you want to enter in this relationship this morning. You just say, God, I believe in what Jesus has done for me. I believe he came and he paid the penalty for my sin so that I could become his righteousness. So this morning, God, I'm asking you, forgive me, save me, clothe me in Jesus's righteousness so that I can be one of your kids. God, make me new today. For the rest of us, I just want to encourage you to wake up every morning and to preach this good news to yourself. When we reflect on the gospel, it changes things, changes everything. We've got to fight the temptation to get drug into religion. And we have got to just love Jesus. And the only way that we do that is by preaching this good news to ourselves every single day. God, we love you. God, you are so good to us. God, we love Jesus and all he's done for us. God, in becoming our sin so that we could become his righteousness. God, I thank you this morning that we are as righteous as we will ever need to be if we know Jesus. God, this morning, may we find hope and rest in that amazing truth. God, help us to go out of this place and to love people like you've loved us and to share with them the good news of Jehovah Sikinu, Jesus Christ, the Lord, our righteousness. 
God, we love you so much, more than we can express in words, and we thank you for your great love for us. God, we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.